This is Bellator Colloquium, a podcast of the Bellator Society. Bellator in Latin means warrior, and a colloquium is a conversation. We at the Bellator Society are online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful, and this podcast is our conversation about all those things and so much more. Meet us here weekly at Bellator Colloquium and at bellatorsociety.com for content that will hopefully lift you, inspire you, comfort you, and make you feel a part of our Bellator Society. Good morning, friends and warriors, and welcome to the podcast. This is Tracy Eddy, and I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, and Fran is in Nashville, Tennessee. Good morning, Fran. Good morning, Tracy. Yes, I am in Nashville this morning, but yesterday evening I was in Denver, so yes. I'm, I'm still trying to figure out where I am and who I am. And Is it morning? Yeah. Is it late morning? All the time changes. It's one hour. You that it was two hours, right? did i thought that but it isn't it's it fun. isn't no it was just arizona that's right arizona throws me off every time because we don't change so now arizona and colorado were together but when y'all spring forward colorado and tennessee spring forward and so you're two hours colorado's one hour and then and then arizona we're just... hangs back the whole state of arizona hangs yeah. back there are no pockets of resistance who really no. love time change no, they really like the sun to come up at five in the morning <laughs> in the summers when you can actually sleep. Oh, Arizona. But it was so fun to see you. Yes. We so laughed. Probably... still hurts. Your face. Oh, you're from My smiling. From laughing. Yeah, and smiling. Yeah. yeah, we did a lot of laughing and smiling because we were in Denver together at St. Thomas More Parish giving their pre-Advent reflection for their um, Advent by Candlelight event, which was amazing. It's pretty epic. They yeah. did good work. I, you know, I'm partial. Of course, it was my old parish, so I love just the people there and how they do things. And um, but there's a lot of people there, so there's a lot of you know, many hands make light work. <laughs> how many? So, how many families did you say that parish has? They have like twelve thousand families. It, it's kind of crazy, and it's growing. So I mean, that's sort of the the stationary number that they give. But uh-huh. every month they have like a welcome dinner for new families, and it's full. I mean, it's, and and not everybody, I know we couldn't even go the year that we joined the parish, you know, because it's once a month and we were busy, but it's, it's just such a thriving parish. So it's, it's a fun place to, to be a part of. Well, I was so happy to see it. And their sanctuary is beautiful. Uh, Adoration before the event was just right on point. I could not have been more impressed with their, um, just their planning of the whole event and that the room was so packed. I mean, like over 300 women coming to hear us. (laughs) <laughs> sold out except for it was free she said sold out but i'm like thank you but i think she meant filled filled yeah. up filled to the rim there's it's at capacity and it so, was it was really really filled with people and just such a beautiful night and i think what i love about it because i've i've been when i lived there is that it's there's people that are you know young moms and then there's grandmothers i mean it's yeah. a wide swath and so they have table captains that like host a table and then they decorate it however they want yeah. so everybody's table sort of different and then they just invite their you know 10 women or nine women to fill their tables of 10 um and and so you get a good mixture of of women just from kind of all walks of life so it's fun it was it was yeah. super fun 
And we may have to give a little taste of our talk. Maybe we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll think about that because um, we got such good feedback and um, and we worked hard on it. So We worked hard on it and we didn't record it. So. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to figure out how we can share it because it was it was a fun talk to give. But this is going to be a great podcast today. This is going to be a great podcast because we have a guest and he's, he's a guest, but he's not really a guest. (laughs) He's been on every podcast we've done, but you just, I think you've heard him once. Yes. Oh, that's right. right. Yeah. For our Harry Potter discussion. Yeah. Teased him out for Harry Potter, but it's John Carswell. Hello. Hello. He's the one that makes it sound good when we sound good. (laughs) Hi, John. Hello. How are you all? you hail from? I hail from uh, from the Nashville area as well, Franklin, Franklin, Tennessee, just just down the road from Franchelle. Just, yeah, we're like a stone's just, throw. That's right. And you had like a really good arm. That's right. Just Super good. Rock of an arm. <laughs> but, yeah. Scottish Highlands gang. You're a stone's throw away. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. But you're joining us to talk about because you're a, you have your own podcast. Yes. Tell us about tell us about yourself, John. You have your own podcast. You're a, I mean. You do this. Sure. You've been doing this way longer than us, so take it away. Sure. Um, so, I uh, I guess the real thing that I need to say about me and why I'm here is uh, because I do a podcast on Tolkien um, called the Tolkien Road. He's an expert. And well, I you know, there's a lot of Tolkien experts out there. I feel, I always feel weird about calling myself a Tolkien expert because there's people out there who are just like. Whoa, they know a lot, but I'm more, I feel like I'm more of like a Tolkienite. I'm just like, this man is so wonderful and so brilliant. And I just want to learn from him. You know, yeah. like I want to like unpack the secrets of what he was trying to do. And, um, and so this, that's what this podcast, the Tolkien road is all about. Um, it's, it's, I do it with uh, my wife, Greta, uh, who's also, who's been a guest on the, on this podcast before. And yes, yeah. Uh, and I have her on there. It's funny. I have her on there to kind of be uh, the one who knows less about Tolkien, so I can sound more smart. <laughs> she makes you look like an expert. <laughs> but but I'm but we you know we always I mean both of us are always getting stumped by things that come up, and that's part mm-hmm. of the fun of it, right? Um, yes. We've learned a lot, but there's so much to learn. It's it it almost feels like Tolkien and his works are an inexhaustible source of fascination and wisdom. So we've been doing this podcast since early 2015. And, you know, right now there's no end in sight um, for us. I mean, there's just, it's one of the sayings from Tolkien's uh, Middle Earth works is the road, the road goes ever on. And which is, I love, I just always love, it's got this like mystical ring to it. And, and that's how I feel about Tolkien's work. So that's why we do that podcast and it's called the Tolkien Road. So it's it's a super fun listen. Sorry. It is a fun listen. Well, when she was on our podcast, she said, yeah, I didn't really, I mean, I wasn't a huge, you know, Tolkien fan when we started, but now I really do love it. And I like to, you know, read his works. And I think she says every once in a while, she, she can one up you now. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) it's funny. We have, you know, we have a lot of course, we have a lot of correspondence from listeners and, um, you know, most people don't pick favorites, but every once in a while they do, and always it's it's Greta, right? Like, and some it's funny. The other day, someone just flat out said Greta's my favorite. <laughs> like, no if Sandra, but like, no 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 attempt to be nice to me or say something nice about me. Like, Greta's That's my favorite, awesome. and then they made their comp. Like, it's like okay, I didn't that know we were is asking. Hilarious. But. Well, and and the only rightful response from you, John, is she's my favorite too. Well, exactly. That's, That's right. I'm like, well, she's my favorite too. That's You're like. 
you are clearly a brilliant person. That's right. Yeah. Well, I, I, <laughs> I'm whatever, first. Whatever your opinion is, it must be pretty good because that's the right answer. So That's right. Yeah. I love it. And we do love Greta too. But we also love our topic today because it's not just Tolkien in general, but um, we're going to narrow it down a bit and we're going to have mm-hmm. a discussion on his short story, Leaf by Niggle. Yes. And um, I believe that this is the uh, well-read mom book for the month as well, mm-hmm. um, or, or part of the reading along with fairy stories. Um, and John was so kind to come to a little book group that I'm in and give us a primer on Leaf by Niggle and fairy stories. And I loved how Leaf by Niggle kind of fits in with the end of our Straighten Your Crown series. And we'll we'll yeah. make those little tie-ins as we, as we move along in this discussion. But John, can you kind of give us maybe just like an abbreviated version of just an intro to Leaf by Niggle? Because not everybody who's listening to this podcast today will have read the story prior sure probably not <laughs> sure well let me let me just say that um i and i'm I, we it, in order to talk about it the story well there's going to be spoilers on this and and leaf by niggle is a short story where spoilers matter right so oh, i want yeah. to preface this by saying if you don't want to have it spoiled for you then go read it first right um, and it's not it, going to take you very long like right. it's 20 pages in print form in 45 minutes on audible and the audible is primo like the the narration is beautiful and it, it is, is absolutely worth it like it is mm-hmm. it it's um so so having said that like if if you haven't read it yet then maybe hit pause go read it and then come back and listen <laughs> But uh, so from here on out, I'm, I'm free to talk about this story in full. Um, so a little bit of background first. Um, Leaf by Niggle, unlike all of Tolkien's other popular, most popular works, does not take place in Middle Earth, has nothing to do with the world of Middle Earth. It is a completely standalone story that ostensibly takes place in our own, in our own reality, right? Um, so it's not like this, you know, fantasy work off in some other world. It's a it's a story about a, a man in our own world. Uh, it's a fictional story, but it's a story about a man in our own world. Um, it's a story of great spiritual significance. Um, in fact, Tolkien referred to it as his purgatorial story uh, in one of his letters um, uh, that you can get. Actually, let me put a plug in for that. His letters are fantastic. Um, if you like Tolkien, you want to go more into what he was all about, get his letters, the letters of J.R.R. Tolkien. So much good stuff in those. But in one of his letters, he talks about Leaf by Nagel, and he refers to it as his purgatorial story. So mm-hmm. that's that's a lens that he's given us through which to read it and to understand it. Um, it's a story about the importance of each life, really, no matter how insignificant a life may seem in our eyes or in the eyes of the world and the powers of the world. It is, it's, it's a story about how important each life actually is. And, um, and that's, that's a theme that even matters, really matters in Middle Earth and the stories of Middle Earth, right? It's a story that they share. It's a theme that they share. Um, because of course, in Middle Earth, who is it that is responsible for basically saving the world? It's the hobbits. It's the people that the big powers of the world are like, oh, they don't matter, right? And it's the same with Leaf by Niggle, right? Leaf by Niggle, it's a different kind of outcome, but it's, but the theme is still there. Um, uh, it has, it's, it's a story for me when I first read it, I was just like, I've read, you know, he, Tolkien has a lot of other non-Middle Earth stories and works, some of which are fantastic. We mentioned on fairy stories, cool. which is, if you really want to know kind of in a, in an essay version, what he was all about, that's, that's the one to read. Um, I always want to know about things in essay form. <laughs> that is my, <laughs> it is You're my love language. You're clearly an enthusiast. <laughs> um, but, but there's this like, 
uh, there's there's just something to this story that it has the ring of gospel truth. It's it's almost mm-hmm. like this is a story that Jesus could have told if if we had a, if we had more if he had more time rather than kind of telling his short parables. This is a story that he could have told in longer form, right? Yeah, because exactly. it hits it 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 just hits it hits everybody where they need to be hit, right? It hits um, <laughs> it hits the people who think they're like who are just haughty and full of themselves and think that they're the most important thing in the world and they look down on people. It hits. Um, it hits people who kind of get distracted easily and allow themselves to get distracted. It, it's it's but it but it reconciles it all into something that's joyful and meaningful and beautiful, right? Like the gospel yes. is, and um and it's just one of the most consoling things I think I've ever read, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so a uh, little little more background to get specific, a little more specific to Tolkien himself. Uh, this so the story was published in the Dublin Review in 1945, and it was it was. It's really cool. He talks about it in other letters and says, everything else I ever wrote, it took me, I had to labor over it to write it, right? It, it was so hard to kind of get out. The works of Middle Earth, The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, The Silmarillion, anything else he wrote, you know, he was a very thorough, like he was, he, he, he just took so time. It took him, uh, I think, at least 15 years to write Lord of the Rings, right? From the time mm-hmm. he started to the time he finished. And, uh, and he, he didn't, the Silmarillion, he started when he was a kid and didn't actually get published until after he was dead. Right. Mm-hmm. He wrote it for, over his whole I life. Um, I actually did not know that. <laughs> Leaf by Niggle. You ass- yeah, go John, ahead, you assume that people know as much as you do. You are like, <laughs> you're really, really well informed. <laughs> well, I've, I, I've, I just love this story and I love this man. So I've taken, you know, it's, you, you know, when you're fascinated and you love th- something, you want to know more about it. And that's right. Um, and so, um, but the thing about Leaf by Niggle is he literally woke up one morning. Uh, he says right before the war started, which means um, right before World War II began. So probably sometime in 1939. And the story was just in his head and he just wrote it out. And he said, the story as we have it now differs very little from kind of what came out in that kind of hurried rush to get it down in the morning. So literally, it's almost like it's almost like this mysterious inspiration like came to him one morning to write this story which I just love. Like that's mm-hmm. the back being a part of the background to this. It's almost, it just, it feels like the Holy spirit was somehow involved I was about in to this. Say that, I mean, that is the Holy spirit when some, you know, when, when you're influenced by something that you can't put your finger on it, it sounds an awful lot like the Holy spirit to me. Yeah. It's super mystical. Totally. And, and, um, it also reflected, he talks about how it reflects his own anxiety about the stuff that he was writing in terms of middle earth. Yeah. The Hobbit had come out a few years before, um, and, and it was pretty successful, but it, it, he wasn't yet the world renowned greatest writer of the 20th century that like we all think of now. Right. Um, he was, he was just kind of like, he was a guy that published one kind of kid's book and, you know, everybody's like, oh, that's nice. And, you know, maybe he'll put out a sequel one day. And he says, I was dead stuck. He was writing what was called the, the next Hobbit or the, se- the, the sequel to the Hobbit. Right. He was, he was basically stuck writing Lord of the Rings early on. And so he talks about, he reflected later and said, I think this story really reflects my own anxiety about getting that out, which is cool when you understand that, like, you kind of think about the parallels between the story and about the story itself and what he's saying there, right? Mm -hmm. You know, which we'll get into. Um, It also, one last thing, um, there was a tree outside his house, um, a big poplar tree. And if you know anything about Tolkien, you might know that he loves, he loved trees. He really loved trees. And uh, which is probably why he had like talking powerful trees that moved around <laughs> in, in, in yes. Lord of the Rings, right? Um, 
But there was this tree outside his house, this big poplar tree that he thought was marvelous, uh, but it was in the neighbor's yard, and the neighbor decided that it was just you know, an enemy because they were afraid it was going to fall over their house and it messed up something about their view. And so they like cut down the tree and he was so mad about this too, right? That they cut down this beautiful tree. Um, so, um, but all that is to say that that's all kind of by way of background. Um, so, uh, little, just kind of a, a rough sketch of this, uh, the beginnings of the story and y'all, I can get seriously going on this. So please interject and, and ask questions <laughs> and clarify and don't let me get too far ahead. Okay. But before we even yeah. do that, what is what is what is the significance of the title least by niggle? Sure. So what is a, what is a niggle job? <laughs> <laughs> um, so niggle is a word that we do not really use in American English uh, very often. For obvious I, reasons. Well, no, yes. But I'm going to start. Yeah. I'm going to bring the word back. Uh, well, <laughs> everything's a niggle to me now. <laughs> well, that might make sense for you, Tracy, because you're you're really an anglophile. And That's what I've noticed right. is that it's a more common word for um for those from the UK, for English speakers from the UK that I've actually heard them use it just like not in reference to this story. And essentially it's just kind of a little bothering thing, right? It's like it's kind of a little bother, right? Oh, I can I can get with this. So, I, uh you, you'll I hear people be like, I just kind of had this little little niggling idea in the back of my mind, right? Um, that wouldn't go away, right? Um, and, and so when you think about that and you think about that's the name of this character, you know, he's just this little bother. He's this little bother of a man, right? Ah, oh, um, got it. So That does make sense now. Yeah. I've also heard niggle in the, in the context of, um, like, I guess a word that, that might be, is this could be like a colloquial word. Like this might be just a Southern word, but like piddling. You know, like you're just yeah. kind of piddling around. Like it's not really annoying, but there's really it's and it's not idle. It's just um, doing things that are that are of no consequence or of of no great value as well, right. which I think also plays well. That that meaning I think plays well to the story as well. Yeah. Uh, so maybe the American version would be called uh, "Leaf by Piddle." So yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's where the word. So that's that's some background on the on the word um, uh, niggle. So. Um, so yeah, um, so Niggle is a uh, is a painter, uh, though not a successful one. And the first thing we learn about him is that he has a journey that he's supposed to go on, but he doesn't want to do it. Right? He yeah. he keeps putting it off. Right? Mm-hmm. Which is very like, hmm, what's this journey all about? What's this mysterious journey he has to go on that he doesn't want to? Who does he have to visit? What's happening here? Right. But he's got this he's got this painting that he's been working on for a long time. He he is a painter. Not a particularly like great painter. He's not. He's not. Uh, he's not Michelangelo, Picasso. right? He's yeah. not Picasso. Um, but he's just a hobbyist. He loves painting, and it's just something he loves to do with his spare time. So he's been. But he's been working, and he, and he's the kind of painter that he's not so much about the big picture as he is about like the detail. Now this yeah. is a really interesting because you could say the same thing about Tolkien, because where did mm. all of Tolkien's Middle Earth stories come from? They came from his his obsession with making up languages right yeah all of those stories came from his he was like oh i like this word i'm gonna make up a whole language around it right and then he would be like fascinating and then he'd be like oh i gotta make up stories and myths to go to support where this language came from so there's something about the way niggle works in this story that's uh, that's in parallel with the way tolkien worked in his own life um back to the story though um he he'd prefer to spend all of his time working on this one painting of a tree than really do anything else. So, and it also says that he was kind hearted in a way, but he was the kind of, he was the sort of kind heart where 
it was more about making him uncomfortable. His kind heart made him uncomfortable um, rather than let him to do anything meaningful, <laughs> which <sighs> I, you know, yeah. probably most of us can identify with, right? Um, yeah. You know, to, uh, you know, it, it, so, so even if he did anything, it did not prevent him from grumbling, losing his temper and swearing mostly to himself, right? So he was. But he kind still of, did it. But he still did it. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing we find out. He's got a, he's got a neighbor named Parrish and Parrish has a lame leg. And Parrish is married and his wife becomes sick. Parrish is also a gardener. That's an important note. Parrish's mm-hmm. wife becomes sick. Um, and part, partly because his roof has sprung a leak. And, uh, and, and he comes to Niggle saying, hey, I need your help to go into town and find people to help me with my problems. I need a doctor. And I need somebody to fix my roof. And I can't go because my leg is lame. So Niggle, of course, because we are learning that he's the kind of kind-hearted person who will do things, but only because he kind of feels guilty about not doing them. Um, he goes and he does these things <laughs> and, he, and he does what Paris asks of him, but then he finds out that it wasn't, it was kind of for not even him doing these things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the doctor doesn't come for a couple more days. And then it turns out that Paris's wife wasn't actually as sick as we thought she was, as Paris was saying she was. And, um, and then the builder doesn't come for a little while too, or, or I think the builder, uh, maybe shows up without him actually saying anything. It turns out. So even when Niggle, goes out of his way to do something kind for his neighbor it's almost like did he really need to do that in the grant you know yeah. when he when he you know when he <laughs> looks at what actually happened um so uh so after niggle goes off on this little thing to you know help perish he comes back and it turns out that he was riding through the wet and the rain and everything and he catches a cold himself right he get he comes down sick himself loses a couple of days of work worst feeling for those of us who have, you know, a lot of stuff we want to get done in this life, you get, getting sick is the worst. And you're just like, oh, yeah. you know, in addition Nobody to like, in addition, in addition to, you know, the, the needful things that come knocking at our doors, you know, that feel like distractions, you get sick and then it just, it takes away from you and you're like, oh, it's the toil, you know, it's just the toil, it's the curse, it's the toil of this world, right? That's right. Yeah. Um, but, but Niggle, he gets sick and he comes after he kind of recovers, he receives a visit from someone named the inspector. And the inspector faults Niggle for not using the painting canvas to cover Parrish's roof, right? And this is like one of the best lines, I think, in the whole thing, because yeah. it's so like illuminating. Keep going. Yeah. No, I'm no, so tell, no read, read the line if you'd like, if you got it. Right. Okay. So it's on, in my version, it's on page 101. And so um, the inspector is, I guess, the building inspector. And he comes and says um, that, you know, obviously implicates Niggle for not having helped his neighbor by giving him his canvas to cover the hole in his roof. And uh, Niggle Niggle says, well, I've been sick. And he says, well, you're not sick now. (laughs) (laughs) He says, but I'm not a builder. And um, he said um, that, you know, that there, that you really should have helped your neighbor, neighbor. Right. Right. um, Because, in fact, uh, the people in the town are busy with worse damage than any up here. And there has been a flood in the valley and many families are homeless. And you should have helped your neighbor to make temporary repairs and prevent damage from getting more costly to mend than necessary. That is the law. Right. And I have it underlined like twice. That is the law. Um, What's hey, John, what's the law? (laughs) Well, you know, when it says it again, right. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, first of all, he says that is the law, and then the inspector says there's plenty of material here: canvas, wood, waterproof yeah. paint, perfect for patching a roof. And yeah. of course, what is he referring to? He's referring to 
Nagel's painting, painting, right? Yeah. The most yeah. important thing in Nagel's life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there, the inspector says, pointing to the picture. My picture? And, and the inspector <laughs> says, I dare say it is, but houses come first. That yeah. is the law. Houses come yes. first, right? Um, well, what is a house for? It's for... It, it's people. it's for keeping people safe. It's for mm-hmm. keeping people healthy. It's for keeping your neighbor good. It's it's it's, it's you know it's right a necessity, order. right? It's about the right yeah. order of the world, right? Um, but you know, any of us would hear that and think about, we'll put ourselves in nickel shoes, and we're like, yeah, that's like that's my I, to make a little cross reference to Lord of the Rings. That's my precious, right? <laughs> it's my precious. You couldn't help yourself. Yeah. I know. Well, it just pops to mind, right? Like. <laughs> No, my precious, not the precious, right? That's my painting. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's interesting is that after this, right, he's arrested. Nigel gets arrested and taken, and, and he gets taken to a workhouse. Yeah. Um, he goes on a train tour. He's basically like, it, the inspector's basically like, sorry, buddy, you broke the law. You're going to the workhouse. Um, so and there's he, something a little mysterious yes. about that as well, because we do have the driver who arrives mm-hmm. because, like at the same time as the inspector. So now we have like these two guys there in his house like, well, this guy is trying to accuse me of not following the law. Oh, I did want to stop there and say, um, I mean, not, not that I want to be you know so obtuse about it, but like the law is the golden rule. Yeah. Right. Love your neighbor as yourself. Right. I mean, it's, it's no it's no coincidence that this is a neighbor's problem that he's that he's been called to deal with because, you know, he's so focused on all of his niggling and right. has has um you know not followed the law meaning loving your neighbor as yourself paying attention to your neighbor's needs you know even as tiny as they may seem to you um they, they are as important as your own but then we have just as you said like um he goes on a train because the second guy comes and picks him up and he's like it's time for your trip right <laughs> Trip trips now that journey you've been putting off that, it's time now that journey you've been putting off guess what it's time to go and you're going to this place called the workhouse so, um, yeah, wow. It sounds, what a great place to go, right? The workhouse. Um, I wouldn't want to go on that trip either. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, uh, so yeah, he's heading off, he's heading off here to the workhouse and, uh, and we we kind of get this picture of it that it's a, it, basically it's a gloomy un- and unhappy place. Pr- it's prison-like, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he, he spends a long time working on menial tasks like digging and painting bare boards one color. So there's no, like, he does some painting. But it's yeah. not like painting beautiful little things, things he thinks are pretty, uh, flights of fancy. It's painting boards one color, yeah. right? Which is a painter that would have to be like, you know, oh my gosh, Torture. this is the worst, right? Like this is not what painting should be, right? Um, and he is kept in the dark long periods, it says, to do some thinking, mm-hmm. right? Now, this is where it really starts to get mysterious. And, and Tolkien really starts to kind of have fun with us as the narrator, yeah. right? At first... During the first century or so, I am, as it says in parentheses, I am merely giving his impressions, right? Yeah. He used to worry aimlessly about the past. Now, that, like, the first century or so, even if you're just giving his impressions, like, wow, like, it must have been <laughs> a, a long really time. long time that he was there, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I can't help but think when I read about this, like, when I read that first century or so, and, we, and you have the background of knowing, like, that Tolkien called this his purgatorial, you know, short yeah. story, right? That there's so, like that he's explicitly calling out that that Niggle is in something like purgatory right now, right? right? Because, um, you know, Franchelle, you might know more about this, but um, I know that in uh, the church used to t- used to talk, and even maybe still does talk in those kind of terms when it comes to like time and purgatory, right? 
like right, almost like right. like indulgences. This might get you twenty years out of purgatory. Right. You know, you're talking about long stretches of time. Yeah. And and that I don't want to get us side too sidetracked on like why it used that language in the past because it doesn't necessarily translate to our own conception of time, um, maybe. Right. But um, but nevertheless, I I feel like Tolkien being a very traditional Catholic, having grown up in a very traditional Catholic environment, he would have been steeped in that kind of language. And it's definitely a nod to a theological sensibility. Exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. So I just, I always chuckle when I read that. And then he's like, I'm merely giving his impressions. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not making a statement about how purgatory works exactly. But right. <laughs> it might feel this way. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so, but he, he basically, he's in this place where he's just getting no pleasure out of life. Um, yeah. And one thing he says right after this, one thing he kept on repeating to himself as he lay in the dark, I wish I had called on parish the first morning after the high winds began. I meant oh. to. The first loose tiles would have been easy to fix. Then Mrs. Parrish might never have caught cold. Then I should not have caught cold either. Then I should have had a week longer. And you and you hear in that, like, that's that's a little bit of the, um, you know, when we go to confession and we say, um, you know, the first thing we, we say we're sorry for is because of your just punishments, right? right. Until And then we really get to the important thing, which is, um, but most of all, because they offend you, my God, yeah. who are all good and deserving of all my love, right? Um, so there's a, there's a, we, we see the beginning of this like contrition here, right? Yeah. The just punishments yeah. I'm suffering. I should have, why didn't I just go and help perish in the first place? Right. I well, could have saved myself the trouble. Also, there's also that, that sense of, um, our, our, you know, what, what we confess in the confidior and mass, like what I have done and what I have failed to do. Yeah. Right. It's not just like, that I'm, I'm sorry for all of the things that I, that, you know, were overtly sinful that everybody would see that I did wrong, but all of the things that, you know, I should have done better. Yeah, totally. And, um, so we really get, we really start to get a sense that part of the reason he's here is, is it's, it's not, it's not really punishment, right? It's his thinking corner. Yeah. It's, Think it's, about what it's for him to, it's, he's undergoing some kind of rehabilitation, right? Yes. Um, some kind of change of perspective. He's in the beginnings of it when he says that, when he makes that realization, but he's, you know, he's undergoing some kind of change. Mm-hmm. So, um, it does say that after some time, Niggle begins to take some kind of satisfaction in his work. Though I love this part. <laughs> though not the same as his painting work, right? And it says, bread rather than jam, right? Yeah. What does that mean? Bread rather than jam, right? Well, you know, jam is like the sweetness, right? It's, it's the, the sweet pleasure. stuff that you put mm-hmm. on. It's, it's the, you know, it's, it's the cherry on top of it all, right? It's, it's, it's the pleasure of it all. But the bread, right? It, you know, we can all probably identify with this in some way of like, you know, there are sweet things in life, but there's also something to be said for the satisfaction of just like the honest daily work of it all, right? Yeah, it's the dignity of work. The Absolutely. dignity, yeah. Um, that when when you kind of settle down and you allow yourself to gain some better perspective, you're like, there's something good in that, right? Mm-hmm. It's not the sweetness, but there is something good and there's something enjoyable, you know, when we allow ourselves to kind of settle down and realize the dignity of, of anything that, that mm-hmm. we undertake as human beings, right? That, that, that's within the will of God. Um, but just as he begins to get, find this satisfaction, this bread rather than jam satisfaction, um, he's ordered into complete rest in the dark, right? So he's just, it's like, now it's time for you to just think, right? In the dark, right? Um, and at some point while he's there in the darkness, and who knows, it could be more centuries, right? He becomes aware of two voices debating his case. And, and uh, there, the, 
the two voices are known as the first voice and the second voice. The first voice seems more interested in piling up observations about his moral failures and the poor state of his soul. It's, it's like a, a bad case, I'm afraid. I think he should stay some time yet, right? He needs some more time yeah. here. It's justice. Right. And then the second voice acknowledges his faults, but offers excuses and mitigations for him. Mm-hmm. There are some favorable points, you know. Now, I will say on the first voice, um, it's it seems, it says, I think he should stay some time yet. Not like, I think he should just be thrown into right. the outer darkness, yeah. right? Like, you know, I think we should just be done with him altogether, right? He's a hopeless mm-hmm. case, right? That That's not what the first voice says. It just says, I think he should stay some time yet. The second voice, yeah, maybe the voice of mercy, right? There are some favorable points, you know, right? That's the advocate, right? Um, so there's this back and forth between these two voices. And okay, I want to stop here just one yeah. second. I want to have a little interruption moment. Because do you think that this is the moment of particular judgment? Is that what he's trying to communicate to us? Um, what do you mean by particular judgment? Like, um, so, so when we have the, you know, the, the last things you know, right. of our lives, right? We have the, one of them is particular judgment as opposed to the general judgment at sure, the end okay. of time where, mm-hmm. you know, the son of man comes again. Um, but at the end of every man's life, we have as a point of theology that every man has a particular judgment whereby his life is, is assessed mm-hmm. in a way. And as I was hearing the conversation between the two voices, um, it, it really struck me like, I, because again, I want to kind of refer back to the story itself. Like he's sitting in the dark. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know where he is. Right. right? But he hears the voices making an assessment of his life mm-hmm. um, in justice and in mercy. You know, we have those two, those two, they're not opposing. They're, they're working in cooperation. And I think that's important too. They're not opposing voices. Right. They are, they're, they're voices working in concert um, for, for, for niggle. You know, right. for for his for his for his destiny, Ultimately, for his end, for his yeah, salvation, for his benefit. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that's a great question. I I think um, I feel like there was, you know, there was this. So there's this journey he was supposed to undertake at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. And what was that journey? Well, um, that's kind of the whole gist of the story. But mm-hmm. the I feel like his like he made the particular like, judgment. If, maybe if, already happened. If we want, if we want yeah, if we want to <laughs> say like that that he that he's already that the workhouse is purgatory right or is is part of purgatory right that maybe it happened before but my thought is that you know he's moving through kind of these like you know with dante and purgatorio we have different levels of purgatory right Right. and and they have to move through those levels and the same thing is true of our of our lives here in this world in, in a spiritual sense right we all move through different phases and um in terms of you know, really preparing ourselves for, uh, you know, for the joy that has been, you know, set out for us. Right. Um, and, and so they're like, in my mind, it's almost like they're making an assessment about whether he's ready to be, to move on to that next stage of right. the journey within, within purgatory itself. So I'm um, going to push back just a little bit because yeah. I love to have this kind of talk. It's so fun. Um, could it could it be that the that getting on the train isn't the entrance into eternity, like isn't necessarily purgatory, but rather it is the beginning of the process of death? Because we don't know exactly when mm-hmm. Nickel died. Exactly, right. because the way I, I I like where you're going with this frame, because I kind of feel like, you know, we see people who we all suffer on Earth, and so part of the suffering process, I feel like, is is even especially those of us you know, who have watched loved ones pass away. Like, I feel like that was like when my mom was sick, I felt like that was some purification and mm-hmm. like yeah. she was really becoming, you know, more pure. And, and so me, meeting her death, you know, w- 
And for some people, death is like a thing that just happens unexpectedly. But for others, right. there is a, right. it is a journey. Like death sure. can, can be yeah. a process. And so for, I mean, I don't know, this could be completely wrong. Like there might be experts like you, John, who are like, no, that's wrong. But it, <laughs> but, but it is somewhat mysterious. Like he doesn't, I mean, there isn't like, there aren't, there aren't markers where, you know, you can really say, okay, this is this thing. Yeah. But in my mind, the, the, the workhouse, even, you know, if, if, if death, and and our our um, our earthly uh, consequence of sin is toil. Mm-hmm. Then that kind of puts death and work together through that pro- that journey towards the end of life. So the workhouse could be just that process of death, that that purification time before earthly death, and then you know, the, the gentler, the gentler treatment maybe is the entry. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Well, I think there's ambiguity here. And the truth about Tolkien, um, is he was not the kind of guy who wrote stories and was like, here's how you're supposed to understand the story. Yeah. He didn't really like that. Right. He hated that. Right. That was like, like, in fact, so we're um, making him really mad in heaven right now. He wanted us to all sit here and talk and give our ideas of like what he meant. And he's like, ha, 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 ha. Well, but, but that's one of the reasons I love Tolkien is like the multiplicity yeah. of meaning. Like that's to me, like when you read the gospels, it's the same thing, right? There's like, it's rich. Like there's, Jesus says something and it impacts each person in a different way. It's not to say that there's not truth, like an ultimate sure. truth behind it all, but he's also speaking to us in, in different ways, right? Through the same words, right? Uh, and, and I feel like good stories always always do that, right? Yeah. Um, and that was how Tolkien viewed great literature as well. He he actually didn't, even though he was great friends with C.S. Lewis, he was not a fan of the Chronicles <laughs> of Narnia because he was like, you're being too didactic. Like, it's obvious that you know, uh, Aslan is Jesus and, you know, and the stone table is the cross and, you know, you're just being so one-to-one about everything, right? What do you think those inkling meetings were like where he's like, <laughs> oh, oh, CS, this was just <laughs> horrific. I think it was, I, I think it was a lot of sitting around, uh, drinking beer, uh, smoking pipes and insulting one another, right? <laughs> And, and, off, and offering and, and laughing at each other, right? Like in, as friends, yeah. right? Um, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, it would have been beautiful. It'd be beautiful to have been a fly on the wall for any of those any of those conversations. Um, yeah, you, you, anybody who you know who knows Tracy, I'm sure you're aware of this as being again as being an Anglophile. Like the British are, I think, a lot better at kind of the sitting, like being able to make fun of one another in a, in a yes. like in a way that's like, wow, <laughs> that's incredibly insulting. But you're still my friend, and I love you. <laughs> um, you can say anything to me with your accent, right? Yeah. So. Um, uh, Anyway, yeah, Franchelle, it's a great question, and I think we could probably debate it endlessly. Um, I think there's deli- I, you know, I don't even know that Tolkien necessarily would say I know he, that he knows right he the, the, the right answer yeah. um, it, within the story itself. I could see your argument. I can also see that his that his judgment was when the inspector was like, mm-hmm. "You're going, you're going to jail, buddy. Right? It's time, it's time for you to go." Um, and that he's going through a process of purification this whole time in the workhouse and continuing into the to the next part of the story. And the reason I say that is because if if purgatory is the place where we undergo a transition from the uh, the imperfect state of contrition, right? Um, and 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 our our affections are still kind of very imperfect, right? To put it mildly, um, we're like, man, I really should have done this so I could have saved myself the trouble, right? That's not really where we're supposed to be, right? But where does he go next? And so, it, it, let you know, coming back to the text here, 
um, the second voice ultimately wins out in this debate, right? Uh, he says, you have the last word. It is your task, of course, to put the best interpretation on the facts. And uh, the voices finally address Niggle directly. And Niggle's first response is to ask about Parrish, right? He says, can you cure his leg? It used to give him a wretched time. I mean, I'm I'm tearing up when I did when I hear cry? that. I know, right? I did like, because before he was like, oh, I should have just gone and helped Parish in the first place. Then I could have saved myself all this trouble, darn neighbor, right? Yeah. And now he's like, I'm he really... moves from self interest to charity, and it's so evident. Yeah, I I I'd really just like to know if you can help Parish out, right? Yeah. Like, I don't, you know, at this point for myself, I'm not terribly concerned anymore. I just want to know if you can help Parish out, yeah. and that's the thing. Like, that's he's. He's, they're like, yep, he's done, right? He's done at this phase, at least, in this stage, right? Uh, so he's released. But I do want to stop yeah. there for just one second because you skipped over another part that made me just tear up. Oh, okay. my gosh. Yeah. Like, I'm going to even talking about it. So right at the end of the, the discourse between the two voices, um, when they turn to him and give him his, his, um, je- his, his uh, prescription for gentle treatment, yeah. um, it, the the text says that it, you know it hit him like a a load of rich gifts. This guy or this one voice has been like just beating him up with all of these things that he didn't do so well that it wasn't good enough. You you didn't you know it, it wasn't good enough. Right. And then the voice of mercy says, but he needs gentle treatment, and it yes. washed over gentle him. Gentle treatment. Yeah. And it said it made him even blush in the dark. You know right. because here here was a voice giving him public praise for something that this other voice said didn't matter. Like these things that you that you did in your life don't matter. But here's the voice of mercy saying, I saw it. This yeah. little thing you did, it does matter. And this is what's going to give you, this is what, this is how you entered into the gentle treatment. And with that wash of mercy, I, I have to believe that it was with that, that feeling of just um, unconditional love and mercy, that that's what changed his heart. Receiving that, that, that love and yes. that mercy unconditionally yeah. changed his heart into the heart that can extend charity to others. Yeah, that's a great point. And I'm glad you brought that up because I, I might have, uh, sk- that's the thing about this story, y'all. I'm like, <laughs> when I was re- rereading it last night, it's probably like, you know, who, who knows how many times I've read this story now, but like, there's just so much in it. I'm like, I can't possibly talk about everything. And I wouldn't want to do yeah. that either because like, it would you just- You have to discover these things. Like, yeah, like people need to read the story for themselves and, and let it yeah. do to them what it will. But um uh, but he also says in, in that same kind of area where it's talking about the gentle treatment, right before that, he says, the second voice says to Niggle, uh, or says to the first voice, uh, still, there is this last report, that wet bicycle ride. I'd rather lay stress on that. It seems plain that this was a genuine sacrifice. Niggle guessed that he was throwing away his last chance with his picture, and he guessed, too, that Paris was worrying unnecessarily. Um, so the he second voice, anyway. you know, the second voice is like, you remember that time when he did that thing that turned out to be completely worthless in the eyes of the world? Yeah. Well, that and I think there is that, right? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, that was genuine sacrifice. And um, yeah. so, yeah, that's a that whole section is uh, wonderful, and and, and it all results ultimately in that in in parish, in in this in the second voice addressing, um, or I'm sorry, the first voice addressing him, and uh, and and and. Niggle just says, but how is Parrish, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's where we land on all this. So, um, so yeah, um, so Niggle is released from the workhouse and he steps out into the bright sunshine onto the top of a hill in the middle of nowhere, right? Um, and he rides a train to a place with no name as far as he knows, right? And, uh, and the porter actually says, he asks the porter, where does this train go? And the porter says, 
I don't think they have fixed its name yet. He's like, okay, well, this is very mysterious. <laughs> so the train arrives at its destination. But he would say peculiar because he's English. Peculiar, yes. Um, so the train arrives at its destination, and Niggle gets off to find his old bicycle waiting for him. Right. So his old bicycle that you know, it's like, how did this get here? Um, and he rides it a ways. And this is this is the part that when I first read the story that like was like just blew my mind. Right. Um, it says a great green shadow came behind him and the, between him and the sun. Niggle looked up and fell off his bicycle. Before him stood the tree, his tree finished. Um, I mean, that's this is where the story you're like, whoa, right? Like, this just got weird. It, it got weird and weird, <laughs> weird in, in the most beautiful deeper. way, right? It, yeah, it, yeah, good, good, weird, good, weird, right? <laughs> Weird, right? Um, the the tree. Ooh, Tolkien would love that word. Uh, well, if, <laughs> I, I I think he is probably it's probably a word in Anglo-Saxon that means something completely different. So, <laughs> um, but the tree that Niggle discovers is the one he had been trying to create on canvas, um, the one that he could glimpse in his mind's eye. But here, the tree is fully alive and real, even like super real. It seems far more than Niggle could have envisioned. Yet still, he recognizes it, recognizes it as its own handiwork. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and then furthermore, there's like this whole endless area around it to walk about in, a, a place of spring and sunshine and life, right? So how cool would this be, first off, he goes from the workhouse, being there for centuries, you know, according to his impression, and then he's in this world that like is the world that he was creating that he could see in his mind's eye he was creating it in 2d but here it is fully come to life and and even like more and more than yes more alive than even like the world normally seems right Right. um it says there were mountains in the background they did they did get near but very slowly they did not seem to belong to the picture only or only as a link to something else right Mm -hmm. um so gosh I, I just remembered like this, this was almost like where the first time I read it, where the story stopped for me. Right. Like mm-hmm. and I kept reading, it don't could. get me wrong, but like I read this and I was like, Whoa, yeah, like this is awesome. Like mm-hmm. it, it was so consoling to me as someone who, you know, on one hand, like I've got, I've got my own artistic aspirations. I want to, you know, I want to accomplish. I, I write songs and I write books and, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And, but I'm also, I'm, I'm a working stiff and I've got to, you know, I, I, I don't just have all the time in the world to spend on those things. And I'm a, I'm a husband and I'm a dad. And, 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 and also there's people out there who from time to time need my help, right? Mm-hmm. Like Parrish yeah. needed Niggles help. And, and so it's like, oh, can I please just get some time to work on this stuff? That's the most important thing in the world to me, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, because it's never going to get done if I don't do it, right? Mm-hmm. And then I read the story and I'm like, wait a minute. Like, Niggle's work was completed not by himself, yeah. but by some strange grace, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and ultimately, like, that's even better than what he could have and hoped this for. this interruption was the work that I was intended for. Right. right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Nothing yeah. is lost. Everything yes. is gained. Yes. Nothing is lost. Everything is gained. But it gets even better from here. 
It, it does, but I just better. want to stop really yeah. quickly and just say too that I love the idea of um, of this whole um, vista, you know, that that's just around this tree being so much greater than Niggle could ever imagine. Because I mean, how many of us have have been asked by like our children or other people, like, what do you think heaven's like? You right. Know? And I know this isn't heaven; we're not there yet. Yeah. But um, but you know, the only thing I can ever think to say is it's better than you can imagine. Like, right. think of the best thing that you can imagine, and it, and it's better than that. And I love here in such just such beautiful literary terms Tolkien is saying that that desire that teeny tiny desire of your heart that that dream that you have it, it yeah like, way bigger it's, it's, way better it's just it's just a niggling thing compared to what yeah. is compared to what it will be when you see the completed thing yeah. right like yeah. and and it's not you're not going to complete it you're, you're just playing as part you're just playing a part in it right you have a part to yes. play and it's important right um, th- this whole thing, I mean, I could get going for hours, y'all, on the whole, th- how this ties into his whole idea of subcreation and mm-hmm. how one of, one of the key aspects of us being made in the image of God is that we're, we're creative like him. Like we, we want, yeah. we want to make beautiful things. Um, and let me just put a, again, a plug in for his letters. Um, in one of them to, um, to a man named Peter Hastings, uh, who was the manager of the Newman Bookshop, a uh, Catholic bookshop in Oxford. Um, he talks, it's a really great letter, and he talks a lot about things related to this. But one of the things he says um, when he's talking about Middle Earth, because this guy was writing to him, be like, man, Middle Earth seems like it's this real place, right? Like, it's so, like, your writing is so descriptive, it just seems like it's this real place. And Tolkien says, um, it is only an incompletely imagined world, a rudimentary secondary but if it pleased the creator to give it in a corrected form reality on any plane, then you would just have to enter it and begin studying its different biology. That is all, mm-hmm. right? I mean, <laughs> how awesome is that, right? He's basically saying right here in this letter the same thing he's saying in Leaf by Niggle, right? Yeah. That who knows, right? Maybe these little things that we do, and by the way, he says this at the end of the same thing on the, the end of Unfair Stories. If it pleases God to, to give us the thing, you know, these, these little creative things that we make in our lives, whether it be paintings, writings, music, whatever it is, who's to say that podcasts. they don't, that podcast, who's to say that this isn't <laughs> some little thing, this some little seed of a greater reality in the yeah. new heavens and the new earth, right? And you um, cannot imagine how it will weave into the landscape of eternity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and it's, gosh, it's just, I just, I, I just, know. I can't, it's so this story is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah so anyway um I don't want to like I almost kind of want to stop there in terms yeah. of discussing it because like I want the next step to a little bit be a surprise because I mean we're, we're again we already gave the spoiler alert that yeah, you know, if yeah. you haven't read it yet you probably should but like I really want to tell people if you didn't pause it then we're not going to tell you like everything else because they're just that the end is so full of, of, of gems and um, evident cursors to, to Jesus and to heaven and to eternity and to the communion of saints. Yeah. I mean, it, it's such a beautiful theological work in the simplest form. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's just this little, it's just this little theological myth, right? Like, yeah, like beautiful yeah. little myth. That, the true myth. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, and for those of you who don't know, this is one of his short stories. And you referenced, Fran, that it was on like page 100 and something. Yeah. However, 
it's not 100 pages long. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I got the, I got the, um, the uh, book that I think, John, you actually recommended this mm-hmm. version of it because it had Mythopoeia in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the Tree and Leaf book, and I just got mine used on Amazon or whatever. But um, it's a compilation that includes on fairy stories, includes, um, you know, Leaf by Niggle, Mythopoeia, um, another piece. I forget the, the name homecoming of, of Berthnath, Berthelm's son. <laughs> you just said that. <laughs> I did my John best. Says it's complicated. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's not quite as accessible as the other three things. But Facebook um, status is complicated. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Relationship with the story. Relationship with the art not complicated. Um, the leaf by Niggle is just tucked in there. Right. A, little, a little tiny story tucked in the middle of this larger yeah. work, but um, so worth it. Yeah, I mean, it. At the end of the day, if you really want to know like Tolkien's heart, like mm-hmm. like well. You know, Lord of the Rings will give you great access to that, to be quite honest. But that's like his heart and his mind and his hands and his feet. Like it's yeah, that, that's like his. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's his masterpiece. Process. You know, that's his masterpiece. But like, yeah. if you want to know kind of like where he kind of pulls back the the cloth and mm-hmm. like gives you a glimpse into what's really going on in his in his mind, like these three those three works that are in Tree and Leaf, uh, because Mythopoeia is the poem that he wrote for C.S. Lewis mm-hmm. um, to kind of argue for uh, for you know for Christianity. When, when when Lewis was still an atheist. So um, anyway, like we, if you, do you all want to pause there? I mean, we can, or we could come back know. and do another episode on the second part or. I think we right need to choice? do another episode. I think another episode okay. because we want people to read it, don't we? Yeah, <laughs> I do. I do. I do want to say um, in the event that we don't have another episode, cause I'm scared that we're not going to cover this stuff. Like I would like to do a little tie in here to our series, you know, to yeah. our straighten your mm-hmm. crown series um, and see how, if there are any just like um, just connections or can we create a constellation of sorts and it would be in the shape of a tree or a leaf yeah. um, <laughs> that, that connects these ideas that we're dealing with in literary form to what we've been talking about um, during our straighten your crown series in terms of identity, figuring yeah. out what your place in the world is, your worth in the world. Um, you know, be what we've said before, you know, you're, you're, you're important because you are who God says you are. And, you know, while, while the story begins with the idea and in fact says it very explicitly, Niggle was a little man. You know, he was just a tiny little person. And yet this tiny little person had such impact, Mm -hmm. you know, and and his tiny little piddling, his tiny little niggling in his life had such beautiful um, consequences in eternity. Um, And I think that I think that ties really well into our theme, too. Any thoughts on that, uh, John or Tracy? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) I, I think that I think that. For, for those of us who are Christians, who are living as Christians, our crown is constantly being shifted. It's our crown is constantly going to slip because that's just the life that we live because of original sin. Mm-hmm. So nobody's perfect. I mean, um, no, no mere mortal man um, or woman, uh, except for the, you know, blessed mother and, and Jesus are, are, have been saved from that original sin. So we, we all are going to, we're, we're, we're going to have temptations and we're going to sometimes fail and sometimes we're going to rise to the occasion. And so I think this, this story as, as believers and as people who are following Christ, we, we believe in purgatory for a reason. You know, we believe in purgatory for a reason because you have to be fully sanctified, you know, to be in heaven, to be a saint, your sanctity um, in heaven 
can't come with a lot of baggage. And that's, you know, that's our faith tradition. Um, you can't, you, you don't go in heaven with a lot of unresolved, you know, issues. And that's why we believe in purgatory because God is so merciful and God is so just and God is so, and so I love, um, this, like you said, this gentle story that's, um, so relatable. If you, if you're a good Tolkien reader, <laughs> so relatable. <laughs> Um, or listener, but, you can listen Jesus to is going to help us straighten our crown. You know, mm-hmm. um, we, we're not in this alone. We're not yeah. in this. We have the communion of saints. We have each other. We have um, Jesus wants us. He wants us to be with him for eternity. And that's Praise the perfect God. ellipses for the rest of the story, too. That uh, just as you said, yeah. it's not alone. It's not alone. And um, and and all of this, I wanted to read this other quote from one of Tolkien's other letters, uh, which is one of my favorites. He uh, he says, uh, the great policies of world history, the wheels of the world, are often turned not by the lords and governors, even gods, but by the seemingly unknown and weak, owing to the secret life and creation, and the part unknowable to all wisdom but one, that resides in the intrusions of the children of God into the drama. So he could be pretty wordy, but um, mm-hmm. but basically what he's saying there is that like you know when we look at when we look at our lives through the eyes of the world, we can become discouraged and you know it's like you it's know so utilitarian like yeah like um yeah. You know, we can think about like people who like you know you think about all the people who die in wars that will never even hear their names right yeah um, yeah all these little people and what like, were you good for like in in the world it's like even if even if you're like kind of more merc more like merciful and you want something you're like like what was the purpose of that right yeah and 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 this story pushes back against that and really all of Tolkien's yeah. work pushes back against that idea and says everything right because that that individual was precious in the eyes of God and and this is where like you were saying uh Fran and and union and in 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 the life that they shared with others right it also becomes incredibly important right mm-hmm. and we won't understand these things fully in this life but we will understand them in heaven in the light of eternity and in, in the light of God, right? Yeah. Um, yep. We will see how it's all this beautiful, uh, beautiful tapestry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that brings about an even greater glory, right? Than we can imagine. So, Amen. Um, and, and, and this, I mean, it, it, it root like that was Tolkien's thing, you know? Yeah. Um, you think about, there's people that say Lord of the Rings wasn't, you know, we all think it's the story of Frodo, or of Gandalf or something like that, but there's people who have argued that it's really it's about it's, Samwise. It's really Sam's story, right? Yeah, totally. Um, and who argues otherwise? <laughs> well, but Brain almost got offended. I, well, but but if you ask the average person on the street, right? You know, they'd say, "Oh, it's about Frodo. It's about you know, it's about Frodo and Gandalf like- and Aragorn or something like that." But it's actually Sam's story, right? Yeah, he's there from the very beginning and all the way to the very end, right? And he's he has the last word in the story as well, um, right? You know, so um, so anyway, um, yeah. Do we get to talk about Lord of the Rings next? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm game for talking about Lord of the Rings and anything else with Tolkien y'all want to talk about. So, <laughs> okay, well we're gonna we're gonna table the rest of Leaf, um, or we may just leave a cliffhanger because I really want people like I have a heart for people reading or listening to this mm-hmm. story because I think it's so beautiful, and um, and in the same vein of straighten your crown, I think it is a crown and it's full of little gems. Um, you know, it, it just as you said, it shows the heart of Tolkien. It shows 
shows how he understood the human condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, pro- you know, had he been a priest, he probably would have been a pretty good confessor too. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you would imagine. Yeah. Well, yeah. He, there's just so much spiritual wisdom within, yeah. you know, within him. So, um, and and he's he, you know, he was a sinner too. I mean, he 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 totally. knew. Yeah. He knew uh, he was not, you know, he was not a, a per- perfect little boy and all this kind of stuff. Um, but you know, so he he knew the wages of sin, and that arguably probably makes it, would make him an even better confessor. <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, so do we want to do our last little bits? Is it time? Let's do it. Sure. And so, John, you, we can't even say like you don't normally know about the last little bit. <laughs> You're the one guest that should know this about us already. So I hope you have a good one today. <laughs> I, I have not finalized mine, so I, it'll just kind of be an inspiration of the Holy Spirit. I, I was thinking about it beforehand, but I was like, eh, I don't know what to say. So, um, Welcome to my life. I'm always like, what is it going to be? I thought of all these things, but not my last little bit. Tracy, do you have one? I could probably think of one pretty fast. but I have a last little bit, and I hope I'm not stealing your last little bit. But Fran and I did just get back from Colorado where we spoke to this just great, great, you know, faith-filled, super fun evening uh, with with some women. It was called Advent by Candlelight. Now, the funny thing is that this Advent by Candlelight, they take it very literally. So the lights are dim. <laughs> so when Fran and I gave our, our talk, we had notes. We, it, it, we, we knew what we were, we're professionals. Had, I mean, we're like... Perfect. We're talk. We're speakers, uh, but we did have notes, and so it was so dark you couldn't see this. And so Fran like had her, the the Angela who was just awesome, and she was one of the main ladies in charge of the dinner. She's like had a candle, you know, like okay, you could hold this over, and I'm like. I don't think this is going to work. It seems super medieval. <laughs> it does. It does. However, so Fran is a consummate professional. She's, if you read her bio, you'll know she's a theater person. She's definitely well-spoken, well-versed, and she can deliver like nobody's business. I am the total opposite of everything I just said. About that is Fran. not true. It's a hundred percent true. And you're so sweet. So to loosen up, Fran had me doing like the Roger Rabbit, the MC Hammer. I was, we I was did the play thing. Wow. <laughs> we did that too. So, um, if you want to know the trick for good delivering, good remarks, do the MC Hammer and the get Roger Rabbit. Get your heart rate up. Get yes. your heart rate up. You know, get some endorphins going. That's right. That's right. But we had more fun preparing for it. So I miss you already. I miss you too. Um, it was fun to take a little trip. I mean, that might have been the furthest I've gone in the shortest amount of time in yeah, my life. Out. Yeah. I mean, flew, flew to Denver on Monday morning and flew back Tuesday afternoon. Um, but when I, I, so as we, so, okay, I actually, I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback off of what you just said, Tracy, because my last little bit is going to be because we had to, uh, Get, deliver a speech from notes in the dark. I used my <laughs> cell phone, uh, like my phone up on the podium to give a little added light to it. So I turned off all of my like ringers and, and alerts and buzzing and all of the things so that it wouldn't, you know, come across on the speakers as we were talking. Um, so I had my phone still on silent. Once we got back to the hotel, we stayed, we stayed up kind of late eating some taco bueno, some <laughs> del taco, something or other, whatever was open at like 11 or 1030 or whatever. Cause we couldn't eat before we gave our talk and they, they had their dinner just prior to the keynote. And we were like, well, I can't eat or drink before I give a talk. It's going to feel weird in my tummy. So anyway, my phone was still off. We stayed up late chit chatting. I, f- I forgot to turn it back on, but when I woke up the next morning, my room, I had the blackout 
without curtains closed. And I didn't hear anything. But when I kind of like glanced over at my phone on the bedside table, it was bright. Like the screen was bright. And I'm like, oh, people must be either trying to call me or text me. I opened up my phone and I had like 798 texts from people. That's that's not true. That's not the right number. But a lot. That's more than I had. (laughs) I had a lot from like all of our friends back in Little Rock because early in the morning on Tuesday morning, it was announced that our former pastor was um, appointed Bishop of Shreveport. I saw saw something about that and I was like, I wonder if that was uh, Matt and Franchelle's former pastor yeah it is yeah that's awesome Monsignor Malone and I want to say this so um, I have known him since I was like 10 or 11 years old in fact I was I was eighth grade class president that might surprise (laughs) but uh, when we had our end of the year kind of eighth grade banquet we had to invite a speaker to come in and Monsignor Malone who I believe was Father Malone at the time uh, uh, came and I sat next to him at our eighth grade banquet and kind of my parents had known him for several years through Curcio and and all that but that was kind of the first time I ever spent time with him and I was like, this guy's kind of cool. And then, <laughs> and then he was made pastor of our church in Little Rock. And of course we got to know him very well uh, through that. And he was always, I mean, he's going to be a great bishop. I mean, he's he has, he has bishop. such a father's heart. That's, that's kind of where he lives, but because he's very familial, I mean, he's one of like many, many children. He gets family, like that's, yeah. that's his thing. Um, but because he's such a, a paternal um, figure, like I got in fights with him sometimes. Like, <laughs> like I loved him like a papa, but, and love him like a papa, but there was, you know, there's always like little things. I'm like, Oh, Monsignor, you made me so mad about this. <laughs> And I often prayed for him to be a bishop. Really? Mostly when I was angry with him, because I'm like, oh, <laughs> just want you to be a bishop. So I joked to my husband yesterday. I was like, no, I feel like we had a hand in this. You're like, kind of responsible. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, so he's, my dad is in Shreveport. I'm, I know you know, but um, so my dad is like, oh. Monsignor Malone's coming to Shreveport because my my family grew up in Arkansas. And so we knew Monsignor Malone, you know, well, too, mainly because it was my grandmother was a founding member of that parish. And so he buried her, you know, set her funeral mass and everything. And but anyway, so when when that was announced, my dad has since moved after my mom passed away to Shreveport. And so my the pastor that married my dad and my stepmother is the one that introduced him. Yeah. From St. John Berkman's, the cathedral there in Shreveport. So, anyways, it's, I feel like the, the Catholics are a big family. You know, I mean, at the That's end exactly of the day, right. yeah. it's it's a, fa- a familial. Um, you know, we're the body of Christ, and and we we it is a big family. We kind of know the priests and and yeah. get to cheer them on as they you know move throughout the country and through their careers or or whatever. But. That's and and yeah, speaking that's... of family, in the in our text streams yesterday with all of our our Little Rock family and friends, um, we said uh, I said to, to one stream of of girls, um, one of our blog contributors actually Sharon Rockers just had a baby yesterday as well. <laughs> she did. But I said, you know what? We got a bishop in the family today. It would be a really good day for us to have a baby baby as well. So she did. <laughs> Congratulations, Sharon. Yeah. Congratulations. So we have a Bellator baby. This is the first Bellator Society baby, too, of our contributors to be we, born we this need to year. Yeah, yeah, the first. Oh, wait, no, Lauren, I think Lauren Harper had a baby in last year, so maybe it's not the first. But it's still super fun because every life matters. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, John, we have stalled enough. You have, you, you're going to wow good. us. We're... I've got it. All right. Okay, good. So um, <clears throat> the other night, Sunday night, um, 
my band uh, played its very first show. And uh, this has been something we've been working... I, I started writing songs years ago, and then this band has been something I've been working on for the last year. And and this very much feels like one of my uh, my niggle endeavors, right? Um, <laughs> like, you know, this is like something I wish I had more time to do it and all this kind of stuff, right? Um, and we are a bunch of... Like, as musicians, we're a bunch of amateurs, right? Like, we're not... Like, we live in Music City, USA... And so we're surrounded by like incredibly talented professional musicians. And we're just kind of like, I have some songs I'd like to play. Um, and, um, and, but so we're, we're just getting all built up and it went great. It was so much fun. And, um, but one thing that happened right before the show started, we're down, we're in downtown Nashville at the club waiting outside, uh, just kind of biding our time until it's time to go on and play. And uh, this gentleman walks up. And, um, you know, it was, it was clear after talking to him for a few moments that, um, you know, that he was, he was needful, um, you know, uh, very needy, uh, asked for some, for some money, um, to, you know, to get some food. And, uh, and then a little later we saw him again, we were, when we were getting pizza to eat and, um, and, and again, he, he, you know, he was, you know, somebody else actually who, uh, offered him, you know, uh, hey, you can come have a couple of slices of our pizza, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and so, you know, he kind of came over after we got our pizza and, you know, we offered him a slice and I was waiting for it to cool down and he's just like, and and then he's just, going, he, going just went, he just went, he just went and took another one, right? And I'm like, cool, right? You know, all right, great. <laughs> and then he just, man, he just walked off and he was done. He'd had, he'd had his, he'd had his couple of slices and he was done and he was gone. Wow. Um, and his name was James. But I got to thinking as much as it was awesome to play that concert I, um, that night and we were, I was just, I mean, I'm still kind of on a high from it, you know, here it is four <laughs> days later and I'm still just on a high from it. And, uh, Franchelle, you were there. Like, thanks so much for coming. You are and, so good. And, um, uh, it was just a blast and I hope we can do it again. I heard about it. <laughs> well, Tracy, y'all, y'all got to come out for it. Uh, but, <laughs> One day. um, or maybe we'll come, maybe we'll come to uh, your neck of the woods on tour. Tour. Um, tour. Phoenix tour. That's right. Um, but I texted my friend, Chris, who is the bass player the next morning. And um, let me just pull up, let me just see if I can find this text. Um, I just, I just had this like kind of epiphany and, and I said to him, weird thought for the day, as awesome as it was to rock out last night, maybe the most important thing we did was share some pizza with James. Mm, That's awesome. And and I kind of said that like, you know, in jest, but, but the more I thought about it, I was like. Maybe that really, like, you know, yeah. not to say yeah. that it wasn't important, like, you know, just like Niggles painting is important, like, yeah. maybe at the end of the day, the most important reason for us to be down there was not to play a concert for all of our friends and have, you know, have a blast with all of our, our friends, but it was to just share a couple of slices of pizza with this guy who needed it. Um, That's awesome. So, um, yeah, that was just something that seemed to come from the Holy Spirit uh, the following morning, so. That's beautiful. That's that my last beautiful. little bit. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I love it. Wait, so do you think he did he like follow y'all follow you or he just kind of happened to be everywhere y'all were? Um he just he was just kind of hanging around down in that you uh, down in that area where uh-huh, there's just, a, there's a bunch of clubs and you know and stuff like that down in that area so I think he may have just uh you know maybe been a be been a homeless gentleman place. that maybe just kind of that's his his neck of the woods. So yeah. um That's awesome. Yeah. And he clearly was hungry. I mean he was, it, yeah. He didn't want the whole pizza. <laughs> no, but he, he needed a few slices, and yeah, and uh, we were just kind of like, "Hey, take what you need, right?" Um, 
So you're good people. <laughs> Br- bringing bringing Christianity to the club. I like you're it. You're good people. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was. Um, you know, there's always something. What I always find because I'm not. Um, I'm not as good a Christian in that way as I sometimes should be, right? In terms of just giving and being willing to give. And, um, but what I find is that whenever I have an, whenever I have an interaction like that, mm-hmm. I always come away feeling incredibly blessed mm-hmm. by that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? It, 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 well, it, and yeah. it's like, it's this otherworldly sense, you know? Um, mm-hmm. It's this like supernatural thing that happens to you. Um, you're just like, I just experienced like true love, right? Mm-hmm. I, I just experienced true, and not because of what I did, but because I like, I allowed, I surrendered, right? Mm-hmm. All I did was, all I had to do was just surrender to it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. and then it's like this thing that seems foolish to the world all of a sudden becomes this blessing from God. Yeah. Well, it's like you didn't lose two pieces of pizza. You gained peace right. and, and, and shared, you know, shared mercy with this person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and maybe even gain 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 some prayers from them, right? Yeah, um, you yeah know? absolutely. <laughs> so who knows? Again, it's like in the light of heaven. Um, who knows how we'll understand all these things, right? And see them. That's so. right. That's awesome. That Thank you for joining pizza us. might have eternal you... consequences. That's right. <laughs> best best slice of pizza I never ate. Niggling pizza. That's right. <laughs> oh, John will not. John will not be um, self promotional, but I will say this: look him up on Spotify. Pale Horse Sailor. Oh, thanks. Please, You're welcome. Please do, and like I said to the audience the other night, you don't have to listen. Just put it on. Just put it on repeated stream so that uh, it right. starts chalking up the uh, the fractions of pennies for me. So yeah, he's, go. he's got a rockin' EP. That's look, right. Look it up. Thanks, Fran. Awesome. Thank you. See you soon. All right. Bye, thanks, y'all. Bye, bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on Bellator Colloquium. Please look for Bellator Society on everything social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And if you like what we're doing here on this podcast, we would love for you to share that with us. Rate us on iTunes to help us get the word out and share, share, share. We cannot wait to chat next time right here on Bellator Colloquium, the conversation for online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful.